All right, check, 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 listeners. Just doing this little, little bit, just to listen in, and uh, then we'll start today's show. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. sound check. Uh, today's show is going to be titled Probably Definitely. I know that's an oxymoron, but that is uh, something that I hear from Rico all the time. It, it kind of makes me laugh and it uh, it feels very apropos for I guess the things that I'm going to talk about this week. It's a diary entry, so I want to keep it personal and I want to keep it raw. Uh, that's why I started putting our sound checks in too. It's just that I, I think it's a nice lead in kind of adds to the whole raw to refine thing. I think it also shows some humor. I, I had to tell a client this past week in a consultation that I'm not funny. I actually, I, it, it was very kismet, actually. I'm not supposed to use kismet anymore, I guess, uh, because I'm not supposed to believe in it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, being Christian's a wacky thing because, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to adopt a lot of things that, that I'm, I'm new at. And this is a total side tangent. Which which really adds to the whole title of this probably definitely thing. <laughs> anyway, I was shouted out this week by Nicole Williams, who I'm I'm so blessed to be able to do an awesome piece on. She actually was one of the people that volunteered to be uh, someone that I would do a unicorn skull for. And we came up with a really dope piece. I can't wait to actually show it off. We're halfway through at this point. We're going to finish it uh, next week coming up. So I'm excited about that. She's also going to be staying with me at Paradise uh, Tattoo Gathering. We're, uh, we're actually two of the ladies that I am doing Unicorn Skulls are. is actually They're actually going with me to the Paradise art gathering and they're going to stay with me and Rico in our condo. And so that's very exciting. The other lady is, uh, my friend Jillian and she's, a she's been an art collector for a while. I didn't know until I saw her recently that she's also dating a tattoo artist. So she's not a tattoo artist. She's a fantastic artist. Uh, if you want to check her out on, on Instagram, it's squid hunter creations. Uh, she does really, really awesome art, and uh, she actually did a beautiful piece inspired by uh, the whole project of, of Unicorn Skulls, and she gave it to me, so uh, that was that was pretty dope. I mean, being an artist is, is really cool, and just trading with other creatives is really cool. But anyway, Nicole shouted me out, and she wanted to let everybody know uh, about 
why why she got the tattoo apprenticeship that she got and she shared like a quick it was I think first recorded for a TikTok video and then she shared it to all her other socials and she tagged me in it and and the show in it and I was so grateful and it and it had many things about it but it kind of came in play with this whole consultation I have with this client where I had to admit to this client who had who'd been waiting for a year maybe even two years to talk to me. Uh, I had tattooed her sister at, at one period of time. And um, I remember both tattoos. And uh, she she had contacted me because of the work that I did on her sister. So it was a great honor. But in talking to her about what she wanted, I just kind of got the sense that she wanted more whimsy and humor to her artwork then really I could provide. I <laughs> I told her I was like, you know, I I got to be honest with you. I'm 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 not this. I when when I look at art or when I'm inspired by art, it's usually it's usually something that's very romantic, uh something that is fantastical. Oh, that word is hard to say. Uh, it's it's definitely not based in reality. I do like a lot of theology, mythology, things like that, uh, ethereal kind of imagery. But everything has kind of a, a, a tranquility, a seriousness, a contemplation, you know, like it, it or like a, a juxtaposition or a duality that is about like, beautiful brutality like I like beautiful gore I like beautiful um like I said brutality but there's not really humor there or or anything that you consider cute or funny or in half the time not even endearing uh and I I think that's the reason why my work for the most part remains remain something that I can attract both male and female with because there's there's not like a huge swing to the feminine even though I do do some really beautiful flowers and you know things like that and that's that's honestly I think what she noticed in my art is that I I can put in color really well I I do really nice floral work both of the tattoos that I did for her sister were both colorful and had floral elements and and there was part of that to her want but as soon as I saw the shout out by Nicole Williams I was like wow dude like you actually you actually would be a perfect fit for this project and for this client and it felt kind of bad for me in some ways because I'd I had made this woman wait for a year or two, I think it was two years, honestly, to talk to me. At the same time, she didn't really have much set up for me either that was directive. Uh, so we kind of stalemated the consultation. And she was very honest about that. That's not a critique of her. But, you know, there's a lot of tattoo artists like Nicole and like a lot of other artists that that pre-draw, and I think that that's uh, the the current trend of things, especially if you want to, if you really want to market yourself as a um, stylistic entity, 
I think that that's, that, that is a very good business model and it's very signature and I, I, I can't, I really can't down that as a, uh, as a way to go about a business. I think that's, that's probably the best way because, you know, as an artist, you really want to stand out as an artist. You want to have a style, um, you know, I, I've kind of taken a park at that for right now because I don't, after, and this is why the, the, the probably definitely thing is because I, I, I feel like this is my whole life is that I, I get what needs to be done, but I don't want to do it or I don't like how it is. And, and so I, always want to change it or I always like can't fully commit and it, it kind of stalemates me in a lot of ways and it kind of I, I feel like the best thing to do when it comes to that is to remove myself from general populace and just kind of just kind of keep myself from you know confusing too many people I guess I don't know if this is making any sense but anyway I, I loved, I loved Nicole's artwork that she recently posted. I recently put it on the Apprenticeship Diary stories. So if you're, you're a constant listener and you follow the show and you check out our Instagram account, you probably would have seen the post. Um, hopefully you're always already following Nicole, but, um, the, uh, the artwork that she did too, it reminded me of another client that I did that we did a much more, I feel like kind of serious, uh, serious piece. And it was a lot more zoomed out than the piece that Nicole did. Nicole did, uh, a more like, um, I think near traditional combined with her own style kind of version of a, a, a grim reaper who's, all surrounded by life and beauty and and kind of bedazzled by it and it's really it's really a beautiful beautiful painting so i also tagged my client who i had done a a, a similar piece we included my client's cat in in the piece and we kind of made this like this beautiful organic throne that the reaper was sitting on that was completely decorated with flowers. And, um, and we had lots of flowers that we wanted to, to kind of shout out. So it had to be zoomed out for what it was, but I, I sent Nicole's artwork to another client of mine who I think has moved from PA, uh, since, but it, had she not, she, she might've really loved Nicole's work and might've wanted to get something done. But her name's Laura, and she uh, she loves uh, kind of morbid uh, interests, you know, like death rituals and things like that, and uh, and and just kind of confronting it from a place of, you know, if you walk into your fear, it's kind of less scary. And unfortunately for this client, she uh, she's lost many people that very much so uh, matter to her. And I think when you've experienced death, uh, in that kind of way where 
it kind of happens too soon and out of nowhere or, you know, you're, you're kind of left to deal with it. You, you have to kind of figure out a way to make peace with it and, and move forward. So that was her way was having this beautiful reaper, you know, kind of surrounded by flowers and kind of embracing the life. And, uh, we had her and I had some incredible, incredible talks but essentially, I, I ended up sending this client that I had recently that I'd said I wasn't funny or really that whimsical, even though I, I'm sure that comes through in my artwork to some extent. But it's it's definitely more. I don't know how to describe it, like. Late 80s to 90s to maybe early 2000s, like. How do you how do you describe this? Like, like the last unicorn. The last unicorn would be a great. I'm actually doing a dope dope piece right now for a client uh, based on the last unicorn. I'm so stoked about this. Uh, my client Erin is getting a last unicorn piece, and I I couldn't be more happy. She gave me so much free reign, but I'm kind of referring to it because that. The way it's drawn and everything kind of has like a anime meets illustration. It's so classic. It it really came about. I think it was like in the nineties. I think it might have it might have been earlier. I shouldn't be saying things without some reference. I'll I'll keep talking as I look it up. But essentially, it it came out around that time frame. I remember seeing it as a kid. And both Aaron and I both were like, oh my God, like this is so not, this is honestly so not a kid's movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of an adult movie and, uh, oh, okay. So it wasn't the nineties. It was actually 1982. Um, so it was the year after I was born actually, which kind of is, is important everyone because tomorrow, is it tomorrow? No, no, not tomorrow. The day after tomorrow will be my birthday, August 24th. So that means that, that that film, I'm getting to comment on 41 years after it was created. I will be 42 the day after tomorrow. So The Last Unicorn is kind of, I think, a really good kind of slice of what motivates me. Uh, I look at that film and it is, it's got great music. It has like this kind of renaissance-y kind of vibe to it. There's magic. There's um, very classic themes. It's a, it's a story about the loss of innocence. It's a story about, um, I think, corruption in some ways, like, and it's also a story about confronting fears and and going after something when you see something. And the commentary on it is just so amazingly beautiful. And there's a love story and there's also it's also a love story where the lovers don't get what they want. You know, they don't wind up together. 
which I think is very powerful. I remember as a kid thinking how powerful that was, how amazing it was that you've, you, you fall in love with this character and she doesn't, she doesn't choose the prince and she doesn't choose the prince, not because she doesn't love him, but because she knows what's right and she knows where she belongs. But at that, at that point, she can't really even belong anywhere because she is so different. And I always gravitated to, to stories like that, where you had characters that had, had so much more perspective than where they were. And it, it kind of, it kind of made them very different in a way that was rare and special. And I really identified with that. And I think it's my ego that identifies with that. But, but I, I, I liked those kind of things. And if you've not watched The Last Unicorn, it is a cartoon. So if, you know, if you don't like cartoons and you don't find them serious, then you probably are going to discount this one. You're probably going to find it stupid. But if you ever want to, I don't know, identify with me or relate to me at all, I mean, keep in mind that it was it was crafted in 1982 and, uh, you know, date it with with your your critique and understand that, you know, life has been informed and evolved and moved forward for 41 years. So, you know, it's, it's different. So when I, when I went to this client, I was like, I, I just got to be real with you. I, I can help you. Like, I know that if, if I had more direction, I could really, I could really create something awesome for you, but I need more from you. I, I, I didn't express this. I, I mean, I think I, maybe I did. I don't know how much I expressed this, but I basically said, you know, I've never worked with you. I worked with your sister. Your sister found me for her own reasons and we worked with each other twice. So, you know, that ended up working out. And I remember the pieces being kind of very in alignment with the things that I have interest in. And her sister really knew how to direct me. She had just enough to direct the the piece. But but the theme of my of her sister, her current the current clients uh, of her her work was um, rough, but but soft. And, and it was like, she, she had some like, like angry, angry T-Rexes and, but the, the, the T-Rex is like angry at like a bunch of flowers and, and like was surrounded by flowers and I didn't see pictures yet. So I, I can't really tell you, but just in hearing it, it sounded funny and cute and whimsical and I, I, I just don't know how much that I have that in me. I can I can mimic it if I see it. But when I saw Nicole Williams work and she specifically and and she's another Christian. We're both we're both uh, followers of Christ. So maybe it's something that like we're, we're meant to meet each other and talk to each other and help each other. But but she her work like it just I was like, that's it that's, that's what this client should look at. I really think this client should look at her. So I basically, 
told Nicole, thank you. I told her that I'm sending her a client. I contacted the client and I said, listen, I, I, I want to make sure that you got the notes that I sent you. Um, but now that I kind of have a sense of what you're after, I might not be the best fit. In fact, I think that this client, she's not that far. I don't, I don't know where you are in Maryland, but she's, she's not that far, uh, of a, a drive. And, uh, I think she might actually be your gal. And, uh, I know that Nicole is really starting to get moving and tattooing. She's like, her artwork is amazing. And she's so prolific. She has so much already drawn. Uh, you know, part of that is the hustle of getting yourself out there right away, trying to show people who you are, what you are, um, what you're into. Uh, I, I think I did that in the beginning, but I, I think I jumped full into just doing art commissions for people. And I really have always been the type of person who likes a very even balance between me and the client. People have said that I have a style. Perhaps I do. And perhaps it, it spans even tattoo styles. Like there is an Amy Japanese style. There is an Amy Art Nouveau. There is an Amy, I don't know, whatever. I, I don't know. But I, I think that my style meets the client. I think what I do is I apply all the artistic knowledge that I have and I just meet the client where they are and really look at what they're wanting and take everything that I'm seeing and just mash it together. And... You know, uh, with Erin, for example, in the little last unicorn, she was very open. She was very open. And she was like, honestly, I just, I really just want you to go and do whatever you think would be great. And, uh, you know, the, the whole thing I wanted to comment on, but at the same time, like that is such a classic and it's so nostalgic that I really didn't want to stray too much from the artwork that has already been dedicated to it. There's a graphic novel that's been dedicated. I think there's several graphic novels actually that have been dedicated to it. And then there's the, the animation. And I really loved all of those. So I, I tried to put in some, like a modern spin. I used my design skills to kind of collage something together but I really wanted to stick to the, the original stuff. So uh, I guess I guess within all of this is that I'm kind of breaking down to everybody uh, what, will, what will paralyze me, I guess, in a, in a project. And uh, it kind of it kind of goes along to the, the probably definitely because because I, I have a lot of want. You know, I, I want to help everyone. I want to tattoo everyone. I want so much to be better than I am. I want so much to put myself to so many things at so many different times. But I, yeah, I know what the reality of that is. Uh, with that, I, I did, I do have a confession. I did... I did. It's not even called Twitter anymore. It's called X. 
So maybe I didn't fully, <laughs> maybe I full, didn't fully uh, admit fault to Twitter. I don't know. I don't know. I think I was, I was condemned automatically. But anyway, remember, I think it was a year ago and around this time, around August, a year ago, I do believe could have even been two years ago. I don't even remember guys. It's been a long ass time that I, or this show has been kept off Twitter. Now we were flagged for, uh, my, uh, apparently quote unquote hateful misconduct because I had the audacity to say that transgendered people are mentally ill I do believe that I am not a licensed professional, uh, in terms of psychology. Um, but I can tell other people that I have enough mental illness to see it when I see it. (laughs) And what I said wasn't, uh, hateful. If anything, I've already talked about this. It was, it was compassionate. And what I, what I was discussing with the person that I was discussing with, I mean, of course it's on Twitter and I don't know this person, um, was sharing my worry about all of this and from a place of true caring and understanding what my path has been within my own mental illnesses. And as much as I, uh, at the time and the moment really didn't like it when people didn't affirm me or indulge me or whatever. I can tell you guys this much in reflection, it has been the trials in my life that have made me better. There is suffering to every single measure of growth. I don't, I don't care what you're trying to do. There will be suffering. I mean, you get to determine how much and how intense. I mean, that's, that's basically what you get to, you get to determine, but there is that. And it's going to be, it's going to be uncomfortable before it's comfortable. And I'm, when I look at the way all of this is being handled in terms of, uh, transgenderism, I'm, I'm very upset for the people that are experiencing, uh, this because I, I think that there needs to be a lot more time put between them and what they want. I know that I am super grateful for the time that I was made to wait. And I, I can, I can say I resented it at first, but now with some, with some reflection, I think that the people who were party to me and what I wanted, and they were actually a lot of them, the practitioners of what I wanted gave me the best advice and from a place of genuine caring about me. And the reason why I know that is because it was to no benefit of their own, this advice. Uh, They could have made money off of me. They could have uh, used me and just agreed and, and went along with everything. 
and they they didn't they didn't they they parked on all the things that they could have gained and genuinely looked out for me and told me something that was hard I think for them to say and you know even though it came from a place of authority with some of them I I am I'm so grateful that they they use their professional uh, view of things and all of the experience they had to guide me in that moment. And I'm glad that I didn't have much options but to listen. And had I, you know, and I, I guess I, I, maybe I could have had more options. I don't know. But I think it was because these are people that I had trusted for a long time and I didn't really want to go outside of them. You know, um, for example, my gynecologist, I had my tubes tied at 30. I wanted my tubes tied. I think I asked the first time at 21 and he refused. He said, nope, I'll do it at 30. You'll know what you want then. And that's about as much as he said about it. But because this man had birthed me, and I do mean that he was the man who birthed me, uh, he, that's how much he knew my family. I trusted him. I trusted that he he cared enough to guide me in that situation. So that's a lot of defense of what I'm saying here, but but essentially taken out of context, I could maybe I could see that that what I said on Twitter, the tweet that I tweeted, which you only get two hundred and some characters to say, by the way. I mean, that's that's kind of the danger of Twitter is that if they isolate anything you say out of context, they can definitely frame it any way they want to. And that's exactly what happened. I was removed from Twitter for a year. My account was suspended. I could not access it because of one tweet, one tweet that I had multiple appeals to. And I thought when Elon Musk took to over, oh, here's the shining light. You know, truth and justice, he's going to fight for people like me. He's going to allow for people like me to be able to, to speak and actually have conversations on his platform. I even wrote and tagged him a few times, which I'm sure he doesn't actually look at any of the tweets of where he's tagged. I'm sure there's they're so numerous that he can't even get through them all. But I tagged him in so many tweets that was like, hey, dude. If I paid for a blue check mark, could I like like could 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 I get my account reinstated? Like like I'll pay for it if I have to. Like I appreciate that. Like I'm totally fine with that. But no. Nothing. Not a whisper about it. Nothing. And I couldn't even look it up. Like there was no guarantee that that if I paid even for the privilege of being on a platform that I would have some guarantee that I could I could have discussions the way I wanted to. I will say this, that I see a hell of a lot more and have seen before I got suspended or whatever on, on Twitter. I, I had seen worse things put on Twitter than what I had said. So I was kind of baffled and it was my one-time infraction. You know... Even with credit card companies, people, like, I don't know if you know this, but if, like, you have a, like, if you get charged a late fee, like, for the first time, you can actually dispute that first time. 
like if, if you're a perpetual late payer, then you're you're effed. But if you like have say a slip, you forget about it, you could actually contact the credit card company and they'll work with you. Like if it's the first time you've ever done that and you're like, oh man, like 35 bucks is quite a hit for the first time. They'll actually take it off for the first time. Like they'll work with you for the first time because they know they're making tons of interest already. They're already making money. That's just, that's just something that they do, you know, as an automated thing. Like there's not even a person behind the late charge, but if you actually go out of your way and contact a person and say, hey, listen, this is not a normal thing for me. I don't do this very often. Even a credit card company will be like, yeah, we're sorry. We'll, we'll take, not sorry, but we'll take that off. You know, like you are, we can definitely see from your payment history that this is not a common thing for you. 100%. We'll take this one off, you know, uh, you know, give you some grace. Even a credit card company will do that, folks. So the fact that Twitter would blatantly label what I said out of context, hateful, was so beyond, (laughs) as my tattoo studio would, would say, because that's what the name of it is, so beyond the pale that I was like dumbfounded. I was like, I can't even argue this. There was not even a person you could freaking, there's no number, at least that I found. If somebody finds a number that you can actually talk to an actual person at Twitter and, and literally talk to a human being, I don't care if it's even like one of those little type in message boards that you can, you can talk with an actual agent who probably lies about what their real name is, you know, but you know, those little like, Uh, and I'm not talking about the AI thing. I'm talking about a little person that is on a message board, a message center that like, they just rather text it to you via website. And and it's like a little help center kind of section message that I don't even know what to call it. But if, if you know about that section and it's related to what is now called X and, and there is that provided and you know about that, and I can actually talk to a person to get my, this, uh, like this whole thing, like reverted. I want to talk to that person. Like I, I want that because essentially I wasn't going to delete it because that was the only way to get my account reinstated. by the way, folks. So I, that's the big, that whole long thing was to basically admit to all of you that I did finally delete the tweet. I ended up reposting it a picture, a screenshot of it as soon as I got my account reinstated because F that. I'm not admitting to any kind of hateful misconduct. That is not. But essentially, by me deleting it means that I did admit to it, that I admitted that I I was found guilty of hateful misconduct via Twitter, which is no longer t- considered Twitter now, by the way, Mr. Elon and X. Uh... So I don't even know, but honestly, folks, Twitter is such a great place for podcasting and I don't, I don't really, beyond what I just said, I, the biggest point about my show has nothing, it has literally nothing to do with transgenderism. The reason why I was on there is that I confronted a woman about 
the the boy who cried wolf. That's where all of it started. And then it got its way to the transgender conversation. I don't even know how it did, but I was talking to one person. One person where it it gravitated that way. But I was just staying in there because I guess like a dummy with too much time, I thought I could have a conversation on Twitter. Which clearly I couldn't. Uh, got flagged. But I I was new to Twitter for the most part. Beyond, before this podcast and before, you know, really trying to create a, a communication type art form slash I get, podcast verbal thing. What commentary? I don't know what you call it. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling. Okay. Part of the mission of this podcast is to share really awesome people with all of you. So go check out Eden Health. This is my friend John Simmons' company. Through it, he does acupuncture, nutrition, microneedling, light therapy, but it doesn't stop there, everyone. <laughs> like it's he's he's a wealth of knowledge and I welcome all of you to meet him, go talk to him, reach out to him. You can find him at EdenHealthMD.com. Back to our podcast. Before this, I really didn't use Twitter. Um, but I wanted to test out the platform because I, I really wanted to see why people liked it or used it. It, it is a place of controversy. I don't care who tells you it isn't. It is. It, the whole thing is designed to get people to argue, but that's kind of why I like it is because it's like a, it's a test. Like it's a really interesting test of whether or not you can communicate within so many characters and whether or not you can uh, stay out of the controversy. You know, exercise a bit of the whole keep scrolling thing. Like, I don't want to do that today. So that's where I'm at now is like, I when I see things that, I, that kind of pricks me, I, I'm not going to say I don't get pricked, that the emotional hit isn't there. But now instead of going on there and, kind of waging war with anything that I see or com- even commenting, even caring about things, even offering things where I'm like, oh, I have something to say about this. I just keep scrolling. Like I, I really just want to use it more so for posting than I do anything. Uh, I think I had to go through a little bit of a baby phase there. I, you know, I'll admit it. I mean, this is the place to admit it, right? Diary entries, dedicated to being raw to refine trying to tell all of you about the pitfalls of going out there in the world and thinking that you can just come in hot which you can't uh which also leads me to uh some fun things if you know me personally you know that i have loathed my hoa so long story short in this regard, I think I might actually pray for me in this, but I might actually have an opportunity to do something in my community that might switch the paradigm around for 
the place that I live. I, th- I think I'm finally getting through. Uh, I didn't stop. I, like, so I, I, I'm no less argumentative, I guess, but I'm using different tacks because I'm trying to stay very calm and very cogent in my arguments. And I'm, I'm really trying to portray myself, at least with people like this, as non-emotional. And if I get emotional, I'm really just trying to be very vulnerable vulnerable about this and coming from a place of like, hey, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. I'm just trying to help, but I'm not going to take kindly to anybody who tries to guilt me to get help. Like if you try to come at me and be like, well, you're not helping. Be civil. Volunteer. If that's your... If that's your way, and if you're like, you're not stepping up, there's going to be a big fuck you. And sorry to emphasize that, but seriously, that in my heart, anybody who tries to lay on guilt to me, that's what you're going to get. Because honestly, folks, and I, I can say this with with all uh, clarity, I have very little to feel guilty about. Now, in terms of me and God, I I think that I have probably a lot to feel guilty about because I I am a sinner and I do have a lot to repent for. And I do think that that's necessary. But in terms of the laws of man and life and being a, a decent human in a community I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm good. I, I pay my bills. I contribute. I volunteer. I might not volunteer to the places that everybody wants me to volunteer to, but I do do that. And I have about a dozen examples of where I can tell you how I'm a fairly decent human. So I have really nothing to feel guilty about. So if you try to thick, thicken up the guilt and you think that's going to assuade me, you are so wrong. That is the first way to get me to really not like you and to walk away from you and to basically flip you off. So for about four years now, that's been how my HOA has been treating me. And it's all because I've critiqued them. And there has been lots of reason to critique. And I'm not alone. But I think recently... They uh, are looking to implore me a bit, which is hopeful. And, you know, it's a very interesting thing, folks, because I was starting to get really pissed off and I was I've been pissed off and I've I've just recently found somebody who could help me get a lot more pissed off in ways that could really serve me and that could really hurt the HOA. Let's just put it that way. And I think that now I'm given this interesting place where I'm getting to choose what to do. Uh, And I had to really search my heart about what I wanted and at the end of the day, folks, I, re- I really just want a community. I really just want, I, I mean, it sounds hokey 
and and maybe it's utopic, but you know, I just want I want a neighborhood full of people who wave to each other and say hi and look out for each other and you know, if there's a kid, I I I wave at them and and smile at them and don't have to worry about having to um be victimized by my community and by the environment around me I want to know that the people that are there are all involved and all looking out for each other and that we're concerned about similar things and we all want to to rally for each other and uh and you know and and I I, I don't know how hokey that is but just that you know, when it comes down to it, the reasons why I've been really upset about my HOA have been because of the way that they've come at me for having concern in that vein and for really wanting to understand what was going on and uh, hold them and what has been a part of my living in that community accountable, you know? Uh, but I think now they're starting to see that I'm that type of person, at least the people that are involved. And I think that they're going to start utilizing me. So, you know, I have expressed already to the people that need to know my frustration for how long it took for me to be utilized. Um, But, you know, you can't take things back. And as Rico would say, along with probably definitely, (laughs) His, uh, his other adage, which I really do like and I think is a good, a good thing to think about is, um, you know, when you're angry, you're stuck in the past. And when you're worried, you're stuck in the future. And the only place to really find happiness is the present. And you do best by dealing with things as they come. And utilizing your past experiences to inform you about what to do. And really just walking forward in that way. And not gassing yourself out. So, I guess as far as the the probably definitely thing, I do a lot of this gassing myself out. There's something that I wanted to get to before I wrapped up. And that was... uh, a tweet. I don't even know what you call it now. Like, what do you, what do you, what are, what are they calling it? A zit? Because it's X. Are we calling it zits now? <laughs> like, I don't even know what you call them. Uh, X tweets, X Twitter, X tweets. Hmm. But I saw this, and you guys know how much I love Jason Stapleton. I do love him very much. Um. I'm still a follower of him. I don't I don't pay for coaching anymore or anything like that, but I do love his tweets and I do love watching him and I do like staying in touch with him. I recommend uh, making contact with him because he's very interactive and once he pays attention and if you are a constant people a per- person on his feed, he's he's a a real deal guy. Like he really will make contact with you and and he's very genuine and I I very much so appreciate that about about him because you know he's he's been on TV he's like been on freaking shows and he's 
I mean, you know, he's got celebrity about him and, uh, he, he's a good guy to, to know. Like he's, he's kind of a powerhouse in his own right. And if you follow his show, dude, like he is a track record of being correct. Like, because he's a numbers guy and, uh, he's also a person that very much so I think, uh, seeks to understand human psychology and maps trends in, in watching people and marketing and all of that. Uh, a big thing that he's about right now is, uh, digital marketing and, uh, creating side hustles. And which leads me to his post. Uh, this is the post that he put out. Um, the average age of a successful startup founder is 42. It takes time to gain the knowledge and experience to run a, prof- a profitable business. If you thought it was too late for you, you're wrong. Odds are you're in your prime. My response to that was praise God. Um, because I'm turning 42, guys. And FYI, kind of dipping into, uh, you know, my love of sevens. This will be my sixth, seventh year. So think about how awesome it's going to be when I have my seventh, seventh year at 49. Holy crap. And and here's the thing, folks. I think I'm finally kind of feeling like I want to... I don't know what yet. I still don't know what yet, but I think I'm less scared. Um, I'm less scared to jump into something that would be a business going forward. I'm, I'm feeling my confidence back. I'm feeling that energy back. I, a lot of the wounds that I felt from 2020, I, I feel are, are healing and I'm, I'm getting inspired and happy again. And I feel like I have a good base of humans that I, not that I can, I don't want to say that I can rely on, but I, I think that, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think I feel that everything's going to be okay. I don't, I don't really know what that's based on, but I feel almost, I mean, it's, it's illogical. I know, but I almost feel like God's telling me it's time. It's time. It's time to turn it up again. You're ready. Get it. It's going to be great. You're going to, you're going to do some cool things. And, uh, you know, along with, uh, as along with like me saying, praise God, I have been staying with my parents and, uh, I noticed that several people liked my praise God tweet. And uh, this wasn't even, by the way, this wasn't even on the podcast page. This was on my, my tattoo account on Twitter, um, which by the way is A as in Amy Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-L-S tattoo. That's my handle on Twitter. If you want to follow me there as a, as a tattoo artist and as a, a professional in that space and watch what I tweet and what I talk about for a while, I, I was posting the podcast uh, the podcast there, the diary entries there, because I didn't have a, a Twitter account on the podcast. I didn't delete my Twitter account. I just 
kept appealing, and then finally I deleted the tweet. But anyway, while I've been staying with my parents and I, I made a point for my dad's birthday, which is actually the 28th of August, to, and I, I posted story pictures to the effect of completely nailing me and Rico. It was more Rico, honestly, with the with the big with the big stuff. He's so good for manual labor. Oh my god, it's gonna it's so incredible. He's such a blessing. But he helped me do so much of the landscaping in front of uh, my dad's commercial space and wh where I'm actually I have my studio out of. I just have the small room in the back. But we cleaned the whole thing. Uh, we did the interior today, and then yesterday and during the week. Uh, we did the landscaping. It was so hot. It was so much work. We actually got sushi afterwards, which is what I told Rico I really wanted for my birthday. And it was actually like, it's just the perfect thing to eat after we just sweated our, our cojones off. Um, but I started thinking about all that my parents, I mean, I, I, my last diary entry, I told you guys, you know, like being in their house. I just, I realize how special this place is to me. I never had that kind of feeling about it. Like I, 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 I was very critical of my parents, to be honest, because it's just two people. And if I'm, if I'm really honest, I was kind of bitter because we grew up in a very small rancher growing up, uh, until I was like in my twenties. And then when I left my house is when, or when I like, you know, sought out into the world can't say I left my house. I actually rented my childhood home from my from my parents for a while. But when I ventured out on my own isn't in, until my parents built the house that I'm staying in right now. And I I I think I just criticized them so much for a long time because it's such a huge house. It's so ginormous for two people. But it's absolutely beautiful and it's so my parents and it's the culmination of everything that they worked their cojones off for and I, I do think they deserve that. You know, as a kid, you know, their kid, I kind of resented it a little bit that I didn't get a chance to grow up here and quite frankly... That's like my whole life. I've, yeah, I've, I've gone to schools where, you know, I went there and then as soon as I leave, there's like this brand new gymnasium that gets put in that's like epic or a huge library. Or in the case of my, my high school, like a few years after I graduated, the entire freaking place got demolished and rebuilt. And now it's like this, it's like a university campus what they have there. And it's like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and I shouldn't feel that way because what I had was really amazing and it was certainly enough, but I kind of look at it like, wow, you know, like that would have been really cool if I had gotten to experience like that, you know, that kind of energy and that kind of newness and, you know, so there, I have to admit there was a bit of, resentment uh at first towards this house and there was also the the probably definitely 
that my parents were going to leave this house. You know, they said that they were going to stay here for three years and avoid capital gains and move, like, because they even admitted that it was a huge house for them and they had no business living here. But my mom, being savvy with money and real estate, was like, well, you know, this property in this this area demands a house that isn't dinky at all. It needed to be of a size. And also in her heart, I know she always wanted something that was beautiful like this and that had a wrapped around porch. That was something that she really wanted. And Rico actually uh, grilled out on their the wraparound porch. And he was like, I got to tell you, man, I think it's nice because we were we were in a storm and it was raining. And he was like, I was dry as a bone, baby, like grilling up steaks. It was pretty awesome. So so the wraparound porch is pretty dope. And it's just such a it's just such a beautiful place. And getting back to Jason's tweet. You know, what I realized is that their salon that they've had and that they've run and there was the small small business that I grew up in and that actually that I was uh, an employee at for quite a bit uh, has been in play for 30 years. And they were 39 when they opened the place. I was 12. So I'm a little bit behind them in getting my act together and possibly starting my own business. I mean, I have my own business, but it's just me. So it's not the same. You know, my parents, they opened a salon. And if you guys saw this place, let me see. I think it has eight. I could be wrong, but I think it has eight uh, salon stations to it. So that's eight employees that you can actually house. And it has three uh, hair washing stations. It has two pedicure stations. The room that I'm in right now, all the way in the back, used to be their old esthetician space. We completely like quarantined it out and, and secluded that part of the salon into my own little gig. Um, there's a whole reception area. There's an upstairs massage area. I mean, this is like a building guys, like it's a huge building. And, uh, I now get a little nook of it, uh, that is centered off and, and segregated off for me, um, has a separate entrance and everything. But, you know, like this place was, was a business that they opened up and, when I tell you guys that we were we were members of the community, like Rico was in there reminiscing, reminiscing and he was like, I don't know why words are hard for me right now, guys. I'm really sorry. Um, Rico was reminiscing in there and he's like, man, this guy, this, this, this guy, this uh, salon must have been amazing in its heyday. Like I, I'm thinking about it during the holidays. This is probably hopping. And I said, yeah, we actually... You know, because I was older when we opened it, we actually didn't really decorate our home for the holidays. We would decorate the salon and we would have a full tree and we would do gifts, gift exchange and um, gift exchanges. We would collect for toys for tots. Uh, We would we would do food drives and things like that for homeless uh, my dad would sponsor little league teams and stuff like that in the community. Uh, my parents were very involved and they grew the salon. And what I can tell you guys is that 
for like the first three years, you don't make money. You basically pay back the money that you have spent and borrowed for like the first three years. It isn't until like your fifth year that you really start making money. So just know that. And, you know, if you're a tattoo artist, you kind of feel the same timeline. Like three years is like you're just putting so much energy into reinvesting into your craft. Like the first three years is when you finally get a handle on all the different body placements of tattoos where you finally have like really, I think, kind of climbed over those first jitters in tattooing. And uh, I always put it this way. It's like when you stop being scared of doing rib tattoos. (laughs) Five years is when you kind of know you're a tattoo artist. Like you're, you're, you're dedicated and you're going, you know, like you can start, you start making money, you start making a name for yourself. Five years in is, is about that. So, you know, I've experienced all these things already. I've been a professional for a long time and cultivated my own business per se. But the, but the the scaling that has been a hindrance is what I communicated to Jason Stapleton, getting back to that. I said my parents were 39 when they started the business that would support our family from then on. <clears throat> I'm a bit later in the game, but with measured expectations. Having grown up in a small business, I'm conquering my fears about commitment. It's truly the people work that scares me. And then it was so great because, and this is why I love Jason uh, and why I I do recommend y'all know him, is that he's super relatable and he'll interact with you. Uh, He wrote back and he, he wrote, scares me too, still. And, uh, and, and the little like sweaty smile, <laughs> stress face emoji. And, uh, it, it was so important for me to hear that from somebody who, you know, he's been in high end finance. He's worked with countless people. He does business coaching. He's been on freaking, he's been filmed, you know, like he, He's had teams of people that he's worked with. He's owned businesses where he's had crews and where he's had employees. It's just to know that that stuff still intimidates him and still scares him was very refreshing. But it also like, you know, it's just nice to know that that there's somebody else out there who has done it and still feels that way. Um which, you know, it's kind of validating, uh, which I, hopefully I guess that's what everybody comes here to listen to me about regularly every week. It's just this validation like, oh, I'm not that weird or, you know, I'm I'm different, but like not that different, <laughs> which I think is is that, you know, I never read the book. I bought it. I have it. The book Outliers. But I would imagine that's a lot how I, outliers feel It's just like, you know. You know, the last unicorn, like, affected having wide perspective beyond where you are uh, and and just needing to put those things into action. So I'll share the rest of the thread that I had on on Twitter. I said, as we are around the same age, meaning me and Jason Stapleton, uh, that I put meals. I meant means a lot, man. 
Um, <laughs> uh, I said the other factor is that I know, uh, I know the other factor is what I know to be our justice system. In my parents' day, it was getting bad, but now it's deplorable. I have to go to God at this point for I see no justice for doing right anymore. And then Jason, which is very sobering because that's a very total view. And, and that's not even true. I have seen things that are hopeful. I have seen, for instance, uh, a uh, employee for Starbucks, a high-end executive at Starbucks, was basically used as a scapegoat in a very racially motivated firing that she shouldn't have been fired for. And she just she just won a major lawsuit uh, for wrongful termination and for being pointed out as a scapegoat for that comfort that company. So there are there are wins. There are definitely wins. Uh, I don't think that we're hearing about them very much uh, in a large way, because I do think that media is very much so trying to divide us and make us hopeless. I think that 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 keeps us buying and that keeps us flailing and that gets, keeps us from unifying. Um, but he's right when he said, and this is where it ended. Um, and I, I'll have you guys know that I am going to, because I have OCD anxiety about this. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put an asterisk next to the word means because I put meals, but I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to put a tweet out just simply because I just discovered that what I said had a, a, a grammatical error and I'm that anal. I'm going to do that after I finish and wrap up this podcast. But um, his answer to my last totalitarian kind of sweeping view that there's nothing, there's no justice for doing the right thing was... I think we can choose to see all the negatives of our time or the positives. Either way, the best decision is usually to act, even if things aren't perfect, because things will never be perfect. And I loved what he had to say there. And I said, I agree. I do have to be realistic about what I can and cannot control. Action is always good. However, it is a growing relationship with a higher power that is giving me the courage to take leaps now. My heart broke badly in 2020. It's so very hard to rebound from betrayal. And, you know, I, I do think he's correct. I, I think that, you know, I was kind of sad and, and whimpery because I, that's where I'm scared. Uh, I'm, and that's where, what scares me about people, honestly, is that, you know, and he liked my comment. You know, I think he understands because he admitted he's scared too. Um, the probably definitely is, is a good, a good thing because, um, that's where I'm at right now, guys, you know, struggling with the commitment. Uh, I think that y'all have experienced over, what is it now, like four years that I've been doing this podcast. It might even be five. I don't know. I, I've lost track. But I've been doing this now for a while, and y'all have been following me for a while. And I wish I could say that I could commit to any one thing, but it, it's really just a journey. I'm still 
doing calligraphy in the background. I'm still hammering at certain things. Um, I'm still growing all the time in my confidence to get back in the game and open myself up again to this world. And I'm, I'm doing so now with a, a walk with Christ and uh, a group of fellow people in Christ, a community. Uh, I'm sure that, and I'm measuring myself because I'm not, I'm not putting my faith in the people. I'm just happy that I have those people and that we're all pushing each other and holding each other accountable. And I'm noticing that it's changing my tact. It's informing how I go about things now and it's producing a lot more, um, I guess, traction with what I get out of people and what I'm getting out of my life. There's, there, I, there's forward motion. Whereas I feel like there was a lot more, there was a lot more stalemating in, in prior life. You know, I wanted so much, but, but I could never seize it. And I always felt like, I always felt like the real, it was really me, like all of my therapy, let me realize that it was really me that was doing it. But I just felt like I, I couldn't get over it before. Like I, I just felt like, well, that's not for me. I need to measure myself. I need to like, I need to know what I can and can't do. And just like I said to Jason, you know, be realistic. But I, I'm feeling like I can do more now. And I think it's time that I put those things to test. And like he said, it's never going to be perfect. And I, and I need to accept the fact that that's, that's not really the end game. It's, it's just doing it and just keep doing it. Keep pushing. And, uh, you know, I, I got contacted by a listener, uh, in the background. I'm not going to say his name right now because he's having some struggles, but he, he let me in on some of the things that are going on right now with his apprenticeship and, uh, what I could tell is that it's just kind of the muck of it right now, but what, and he acknowledged that, that it, it's just a venting session for him. And, uh, I, I, I want him to know that, that we're all there, man. Like there's, there's a lot of forward motion. It's just that it doesn't feel so forward. And there might be certain things that we actually have to do ourselves that, that were, are kind of daunting and kind of, uh, you know, upsetting that that's the next step because we know we have to do it, but we don't really want to. Uh, and it kind of sucks when, when we can, like I did with my parents, like kind of have room to criticize all the other people around us, but there's always going to be that. There's always going to be people around us that we can fixate on and, arguments on Twitter, now X, that we can engage in and waste our time and spin our wheels. And, and 
you know, I, I've done it. I've done it. As I've outlined here, I've done it. I've been that stalemate walking contradiction <laughs> and I'm probably still going to do it, but I'm, I'm going to keep going guys and I'm going to keep submitting entries and, uh, you know, I'm now in my prime. <laughs> I'm in my prime. Well, I will be in my prime, uh, on the 24th of this month. So with that being said, I, I want everybody to know that I'm very grateful for all of you. I consider all of you my gifts, wonderful gifts, your time, your listening, um, just the interactions that I've been able to have, you know, above and beyond, you know, it was such a gift for me to see um, people like Nicole uh, contact me. There's also Caitlin Hess, uh, who always wishes me a happy birthday and thinks of me. And I, I just can't even believe that she can remember all of that. Um, we have to meet, meet in person and hug each other sometime. Uh, that'll be a real treat. But I, I want her to know that I really, really, really am grateful for you. And uh, also my friend Rebecca, she recently reached out to me and wished me a happy birthday. And she's also another person who's going to be traveling with all of us and staying at Paradise so I can't stress enough, guys, like, come to Paradise. Uh, October 12th to the 15th, it's going to be a great time. I have to get my crap together, and I have to uh, actually, you know, formulate these talks. They're all in my head right now. It's going to be epic. I'm going to make sure it is, because I, I owe that to all of you. But... Uh, you should come, you should come and you should meet all these awesome people and FaceTime and learn together and play together and experience together. It's going to be great. Also, a short announcement at the end of October, I'm going to do another guest spot at my friend, uh, Jake's tattoo shop, Rapture Tattoo Emporium. If you don't know about them, you need to. They're all incredible there. Every single tattoo artist that works there is super dope. Uh, Jake is the owner and his wife, Brie, is such a dope artist. Uh, but they they both kind of run it together and uh, they're all awesome artists. And I really am taking a lot of pleasure out of going to visit them. PA is something that, that Rico and I are kind of looking at as a possibility for, you know, future home. We want land. We want animals. Uh, this, this time at my parents' house has been kind of a foreshadowing of maybe what kind of animals we would like to have and how we would like to design all that. So it's been dreamscaping. Probably, definitely going to have animals. <laughs> but yeah, um, at the end of October, uh, look out for, for that if you're a PA peeps. I will be visiting you. I will be uh, half the time in Mechanicsburg and half the time in Duncannon. So if you would like to get tattooed by me, I will be there at the end of October. And I'm also working on a flash sheet uh, that has kind of like a scully, creepy 
uh, beautiful death kind of theme to it. It is very much so in the style of the the Amy romantic kind of thing that I was talking about earlier in the podcast. So look out for that. I'll leave you guys to your week. Thank you always. Have a very, very blessed week. And uh, I love y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.